Welcome to Musing the Mysteries, a podcast by Barney Wiggett. Let's go, let's go. Well, welcome back. I recently wrote a brief blog on musingthemysteries.wordpress.com called The Candy Store Church. And uh, I got the distinct impression from some of the comments that were made, or lack thereof, that I didn't express myself very clearly. And I, I feel strongly enough about this that I thought I'd try again and kind of unpack it a little bit and, and then propose uh, for another time an alternative kind of church than what I call the candy store church. So let me give a brief disclaimer to say, you you have to know that I love the church. I was saved in a wonderful little church, got baptized in that church, um, was sent from that church to college, and then came back and, and served in that congregation for four years. And I planted three churches and pastored them uh, for over three decades you know, every church has something to commend itself. And uh, so even though this particular talk tends to be a little bit critical, I absolutely do not mean to be mean. Uh, I speak as a church loyalist. I'm, if anything, I'm an internal critic, right? This is an insider's view. I'm not standing outside the church and throwing stink bombs at it. And so if I criticize it, it's not a critique of someone else's family. It's my family. This is my family. Um, And besides, most of the things to which I object are things that I've thought and done myself for many years. So these aren't pot shots at people who aren't as smart as I am or as spiritual as I am. I'm admitting my own failure to be the church that I want the church to be. So the critiques that I offer are not so much about practices, uh, but they're more about ideas I, because ideas drive practices. And so I, pr- I propose no perfect way of doing church as, as much as Proposing how we go about being church. That's what I want to talk about. I'm certainly not the only one with ideas about how we ought to roll as the body of Christ. I I mean, there's the missional church model, the emergent church model, the simple church, the seeker church, uh, let alone all the denominations and doctrines and all that. But I propose no particular model as much as some particular priorities for the church. That's that's what I'm after. So because I blogged this before, what I'd like to do is sort of read my own post piece at a time and then try to explain what I meant. Um, it's sort of a kind of an exegetical study of my originally unclear comments, if that makes any sense. So to begin with, I said, We pour into our churches on Sundays, lock the doors, and sell candy to one another. The sugar high exhilarates, but by the parking lot, the high subsides to a low, and the energy turns to lethargy. 
What's worse is that our neighbors watch us come out looking more infirm than when we went in. And we wonder why they want nothing to do with us and our our religion. Okay, so when I say we go in our churches and lock the doors and sell candy to one another, I'm saying that a lot of what we're doing when we gather as a church is we're just talking to ourselves. We're talking back and forth to each other about stuff we already know and believe. And it gives the impression that we're more of an exclusive club rather than a, a, a family on a mission together. That's one of my favorite definitions of a church, of a local church, is a family on a mission together. And, and so when I depict this as a candy store, uh, I, I'm saying, I'm, I'm implying that our diet isn't that healthy. And by diet, I don't mean I'm talking so much about Uh, churches not teaching from the Bible or being uh, theologically accurate, which that's a whole other topic. But I'm really talking about those whose diet is sweet to the taste, regardless of what their doctrine is, and and focusing on all the nice promises in the Bible, if you know what I mean, instead of a nourishing diet. I I think of it as a kind of a feel-good religion, where we, we only talk about what God can do for us and not about what we can go do uh, together for God. And and then we just pass this feel-good religion back and forth between us in the church. But as I said, the the good feeling lasts only as long as like a sugar high. And we're not healthy when we leave, and it shows after a while, and the community looks at that and goes, hmm, I don't think so. I don't think I want to be that unhealthy, as unhealthy as those people coming out of there. And then I spoke about different kinds of candy store churches. So here's again a quote from my blog. That first kind of candy store church doesn't have customers per se. They, They don't care to share, but keep the sweet pretty much in house. So that's the kind of candy store church that has no sense of mission at all. They they have no sense that other people might need some of what we've got. And we might be into church growth, but it's more about us feeling good about getting more customers into our church, usually from other candy store churches, right? To come to our candy store. And then I said, there are some candy store churches that will share their candy with the community, but but the only way they know how to do it is to expect people to come to their store location during business hours, you know, Sunday morning, right? <clears throat> they make people wait until the precise Sunday morning moment when they crack the door open as they slip in. Visitors are welcome, but the window of time is really brief. But if they're lucky enough to get in, the best they can expect is to join the weekly in-house candy sale. So I'm just saying, for churches like these, it's all about their services, and it's all about an attractional model. We're just going to do really well for this hour and a half on Sunday morning to attract people into our candy store. When we're like that, we have little to no witness in the community. And and our witness is only witnessed on Sundays in our tightly sealed church buildings. So I hope that makes sense. And then I said, 
some other candy store churches really do want to expand their businesses. They advertise superior confections to the other stores in town, the other churches, you know. Their ingredients, they say, are sweeter and more natural than everybody else's. They follow the recipe for the best candy more meticulously than than their competitors. Then we have candy store wars, each one vying for a larger share of the market. Okay, I know it sounds it's cynical. I'm 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 sounding quite facetious, and I am actually. Um, but it's so easy for us to be more into growth than we are in the advance of the kingdom of God and the love of God in the in the world. And and it's so easy to want to just be the best church in town. And the way that we go about it is is to have a better product than the other churches in town. And so we say, you know, come to our church more than we say, come to Jesus. Well, and then I wrote, other sugar-laden congregations, instead of staying sequestered in their stores, actually venture out with sweets to share. They spread samples far and wide, inviting the community in for more. And some of them sponsor tantalizing sales on their tasty products. Other stores follow suit and the candy store price wars ensue. What once was quite costly now hardly requires any investment at all. Cheap candy replaced expensive confections, which replaced healthy food. Does that make sense? Uh, You know, uh, churches like that will reach out, will go out. But still, we go out with what? We go out with candy, and which may satisfy for the moment, but it won't nourish. Um, and so we have candy store price wars, and so we lower the price of, of what it means to follow Jesus. And, and so now it requires hardly any, any investment at all to be a part of this, this church that we call the body of Christ. Okay, so that's the end of my allegory, but I made then some observations about that, some food for thought. Yes, there is a play on words there. It is a pun. The first point I made was, is ours merely a confectionary Christianity, sweet to the taste with a brief buzz to follow? So is that what we're doing in our church? We're we're giving people something sweet to eat, makes them feel good for the moment, and it, it, uh, we send them home uh, in great need of more because, you know, the more sugar you eat, right, the more you're going to need, so we just kind of keep people coming back. The next observation I made, in our locked sanctuaries, are we just passing back and forth to one another what we already know to be true? Now, don't get me wrong, in our gatherings we should include a reminder of the things that we believe. We need to be reminded of the truth. We're, we're just immersed in lies throughout the, the week. And it's good to be with the body of Christ and with our brothers and sisters and the Bible being taught and sung and talked about and prayed uh, to remind ourselves of what is true. But don't you think there's something more than that? Shouldn't our church gatherings be more like practices for the rest of the week? I mean, in addition to rehearsing what we already believe so we don't drift, 
shouldn't we be practicing how to practice our Christianity out in the community? I mean, shouldn't we treat Sunday gatherings more like a football practice throughout the week? You know, every, you know, if you're on the football team every day, you know, Monday through Saturday, you're, you're practicing because the big game is on Sunday, but we've kind of switched it around and made the big game Sunday and then the rest of the week, we're just kind of lounging until the big game again, you know. But shouldn't we treat our Sunday gatherings more like a practice, getting ready for the big game on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday all the way through Saturday? So we're, we're actually interacting and not just listening to a lecture. And, I, and listen, I'm, I'm a preacher. I'm a teacher of the Bible, and I give lectures, and I give talks. And, but I, I just think maybe we let one person do too much of the talking, and we need to somehow as leaders, be facilitators of other people's uh, conversation about their faith so that they're able to then, you know, converse about it in the community. The next observation I made is, do, do we want our church to advance Christ's influence in our community, or are we just trying to beat out the, com- the competition? And, and that's, that's, uh, that's maybe a pretty strong way to say it, but I think it's in a lot of ways, especially for church leaders, and believe me, I know this uh, baser emotion, this fundamentally wrong approach to leadership in the church is to where we feel like there's a competition. We say there's no competition, but honestly, it's just so easy. You go to conferences and you know, pastors, what they do is the first question is, you know, how many are you running? How many come to your church kind of thing? And uh, I always used to try to say, well, first of all, I don't have a church. I'm just, you know, part of it. And I'm not running anywhere, anybody anywhere. This isn't cattle, you know. But nevertheless, I would uh, degenerated to some of that same spirit of competition myself. So I'm not just putting it on other brothers and sisters. The next statement I made is, are we affecting any actual net growth of the kingdom of God when... We improve the packaging of our product only to entice people from the church down the street to shop at our church. I mean, I think a lot of times in our church world, we're taking our cues from marketing consultants, you know, that, you know, will show us how to better package uh, what we do. And, you know, it's not the package that keeps people from, from coming to the church. It's the contents. And, and, and we need to have better contents and let the package kind of, you know, land where it may. I mean, I think a lot of times people see the package, open it up, and then find very little that actually nourishes. So we're not really, the, the contents is lacking. Changing the packaging isn't really the bottom line here. And then I I wrote, does what we produce, fawn over and sell to one another, generate anything but feeble health for us and anyone outside our church's four walls? In other words, you know, if we looked at our lives before and after a 10-year period in our local church, what would be the verdict? I mean, are we we getting healthy or are we just getting full every Sunday uh, and then have to be filled up again the next Sunday. Are we actually getting better? Are we generating health for ourselves or for other people outside our four walls? Next, I said, do we 
have anything actually nourishing to offer starving people. I mean, so even if we do go out into the street, we go out into the community uh, with our product per se, is it just candy? Is that what we're bringing to the street? Because that's not what is actually going to help people to be healthier individuals. And then I said, are we, we, or are, are we trying to enhance people's lives and thus boost the quality of our communities, or do we feed them the diabetic's worst nightmare diet just to entice them to come back to next week's candy sale? So, you know, <clears throat> I think, and I experienced this myself, so I confess it to you as well, pastors tend to feel satisfied, tend to feel happy, if they just don't lose numbers of people coming to Sunday gatherings. And you know, I mean, we really want the church to grow in numbers, but it, at the very least, if numbers diminish, that's just a strike to the old ego. And so we feel like as long as we just keep this thing afloat, we're succeeding. And, and, uh, and, and so this isn't what... <laughs> Obviously, the way I say it, it's clear to us all that this isn't what God intended. And so it's, it's leaders as well as congregations who just want to be in the kind of the happening place, right? In the place that's not diminishing, but growing and vibrant because it's, there's a lot of people there. I, I mean, I, pass, I live in the city and I pass a lot of restaurants, you know, walking by restaurants that are just full of people. And, and my, I, my question is, do do they have better food than the church than the church than the restaurant across the street or are they just somehow have gathered a crowd and that's where people want to go to that bar to that restaurant to that coffee shop because that's where the crowd is and it must be good because there's a crowd there I don't think that's exactly the definition of a healthy church I'm not saying that we you know we're we're shooting for small we're shooting to be just us for no more I'm just saying that we we, aren't, we shouldn't be content with just growth in numbers. My next question was, when our sugar high abates, does our sweetness of spirit linger, or are we even more irritable and ill-mannered candy salespersons than before? You know what it's like when you're, you get a sugar high and then that sends you to a low and you can become irritable and ill-mannered, and I... I think there's a lot of Christians that could be categorized as grouches for God. You know, they're just grouchy people. They're just negative, grouchy people all the time. And I wonder if this is part of our mean-spirited Christianity where we focus all our energy complaining about how sick the world is because we're not eating right. We're, 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 we're living on a diet of sweets, and what God can do for us, and and just getting together and feeling good about ourselves because there's more of us than there was, you know, last week. Instead of finding ways to serve the community, uh, we're we're making signs and placards to take to the streets, you know, to protest against one thing or another. I mean, somebody put out a survey uh, asking people to define Christians. Kind of the, the distillation of the survey was that Christians are people that go to a lot of meetings and are against things. They go to a lot of meetings and they're against things. So they see us go into our gatherings uh, all the time, and then we 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 come out of our gatherings 
and we're just protesting about how bad the world is rather than somehow bringing nourishment to it. And then the last question uh, that I asked was, shouldn't our diet-induced social, psychological, and spiritual health be as much of an advertisement as any claim we could make in defense of our product? I mean, not to be offensive, but it's like an obese person advertising a diet plan. I mean, if it doesn't work with us, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, how, how can we advertise it? How can we promote it to other people? And so we should be better than this. Shouldn't our social, psychological, and spiritual health be better as a result? And shouldn't that be our advertisement? That's what's attractional is when our lives are more and more like Jesus. Okay, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that for now. Uh, I know that's all negative, pretty negative. Um, but next time, uh, I'd like to share an alternative to this, what I call the Vegetable Garden Church. And the, it'll come out first in my blog, again, musingthemysteries.wordpress.com. And you can look for that in the next uh, week or so called the Vegetable Garden Church. And just by way of preview, without giving away too much, I don't want this to be any spoiler alert. Um, but think of the difference between a candy store and a vegetable garden. In a vegetable garden, people working together to grow healthy food for the community and inviting the community to come and garden with us. Until then. Let's go, let's go.